Hello and welcome to Undercommon Taste. This is a podcast where we create and discuss homebrew content for tabletop RPGs. And we are doing our postmortem for the Tarask task of Maureen Trask. I am once again joined by my four players, James Daly, Hannah Miller, Mary Kroll, and Eric Holden. Hi, guys. Uh, wait, wait, postmortem? Who, who actually died? Wait. <laughs> I think we were supposed to have died. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we probably smelled like we did when we came yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, everyone who went in died a little bit. Yes. Even if it was inside our hearts. But you know what? Forevermore, I'll be able to say I cannonballed my way out of the rectum of a Tarrasque, and you, <laughs> no one can take that from me. Saved <laughs> by the dingleberry. <laughs> Erebo died a lot. <laughs> but everyone else died a little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah. So I have to ask, how did you guys like the adventure? What was your opinion of the adventure as a whole? I enjoyed it. It was definitely fairly frantic, something we had talked about and we were talking off mic. The chance to rest was very minimal, so we may have been slightly underleveled. I will agree with that. At the end of everything, I was saying that if I were to run this again, I would probably use ninth or 10th level characters, specifically because that bit at the very end, when you finally get to Susan... It's set up almost like they're expecting you to cast greater restoration on Susan to heal her enough to wake her up and talk to you. Right. But that's a fifth level spell and eighth level characters don't have access to fifth level spells. Nope. Nope, we do not. <laughs> and, and it is specifically listed as being an adventure for eighth level characters. And so that in and of itself was one of the things that I didn't really like about it. This was the first time I've ever run anything where you hit that five to six encounters in a day that you're supposed to have in a, in a D&D adventuring day. I think we went a bit beyond that. I think we ended up like eight or nine yeah. total encounters. If you just include the, the combat encounters, including the ones that you ran away from. Um, Cowardice is a thing. <laughs> And it was very important that you did on some of those because you wouldn't have all survived had you <laughs> stood your ground and fought everything. No, yeah. it was just too much stuff. That's we called resource management. And I legitimately didn't mind that. It would have been a lot easier if we were higher level, mostly because like I didn't have anything that would recharge on long rests. So like I'm pretty used to just being a cleric. It's like, cool, Like I just expect I will have to do this until the world ends. And if I get a long rest sometime, great. But, like, I didn't have the spell slots. Like, half of my cure wounds came from the prayer beads I selected. Yeah. And that was the clutch magic item choice. That, that yeah, really was. Really yeah, it really was. And, like, I almost died on the way into the Tarrasque, let alone, <laughs> like, trying to keep us all up once we were in there. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know Micah was down to single digits at one point. Yeah. I, I uh, wish I'd done better shopping beforehand. Like, I definitely, where it's like, oh, a little more like equipment like this would help so much. <laughs> yeah. And again, that was a little bit my fault because I was trying to hold back a little bit. I didn't want to come out and tell you exactly what you were going to run into in, in the game. I did want to tell you a bit of what you were going to run into so you had a general idea of what sort of items might be useful. And I think I could have hinted a little heavier 
to direct you to pick some more quote unquote appropriate gear. But I think that what got chosen by everybody ended up feeling like an appropriate adventuring party. Yeah. An adventuring party who happened to be thrust into the situation as opposed to an adventuring party who is going out specifically to do this and Mm -hmm. having the time to equip in preparation for this particular event. We know exactly what is happening today. (laughs) I think that makes sense. I can tell you just playing mostly a bard, 90% of my spells were useless against mindless creatures. And so it was definitely an endurance race on this one, you know, which is fine. I think a lot of us had to be forced to get very creative with their skills, which was which was kind of cool, right? It, it certainly yeah. wasn't an easy adventure. Yeah, and I think that the clutch innovation moment was whenever you decided to combine your decanter of endless water and your lyre of building to make the hamster ball. Yes, <laughs> that was amazing. That worked. That was that worked so well. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. I don't know. We all would have survived that chamber otherwise. Because again, at that point, that was before we got a chance to do our rest, and we were all. Um, mm-hmm. feeling a little bad. rough by that point in the, the adventure. Yeah. So that, that definitely saved at least one or two of us. And there were a couple of sections in the module where I greatly reduced the amount of damage <laughs> that everyone took. For example, the stomach, everyone was supposed to be taking 2d6 acid damage every round they were in the stomach. Oh yeah. No. Wow. And I decided that, well, the stomach is currently empty of acid because it all gushed out. So I'm, so I'm going to make it an atmosphere where, you know, if you stay, it's going to be really bad. So you should yes. probably leave. <laughs> so that there was that. And in the pancreas where we found Begrir, it was supposed to just straight up be everyone takes one point of damage for every five feet you move. Ooh. Mm. It doesn't matter where you step. It was supposed to be if you enter the pancreas for every five feet, you take one point of damage. Wow. And you hate your characters. It's time to take some damage. (laughs) And it was supposed to be difficult terrain throughout the entirety of the Tarask. So it was supposed to be everyone's moving at half speed all the time. Yeah, that would have been a huge, huge challenge and definitely would have been a slog. And I feel like that by itself would have been one of those things that would have slowed it to the point where it was no longer fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was a good call to, to Nick's on that. Yeah. Also it, because all this because it, it still took us four sessions to get all the way through. Right. Now I will say I did get to play our stone fist monk that we homebrewed forever ago. I really enjoyed it. Felt really good. I think the only thing I would change was one of the abilities. It was the um, stone skin ability or the stone shatter ability that had a choice that if I wanted to, I could explode that skin for a certain amount of damage, but I could only use it once per long rest. I think I should regain that on a short or the player should be able to regain that on a short rest if they don't use that stone explosion ability because that okay. plus two AC was a nice bonus to have. Right, yeah. And that, that is something that we can look into. I think I was basing that off of some of the other monk abilities. Gotcha. Whenever I came up with that one. But that was also, you know, before Tasha's came out. Right. So there are additional monks in there. 
And at this point, I might do it as you can use it a certain number of times per day equal to your proficiency bonus because they are bringing a bunch of those abilities and tying number of uses to your proficiency bonus. That would make a lot of sense, especially per long rest. That would have given me three at the time. Yeah. And picking up the mobility feat as a monk was definitely, I found a lot of use from that. And that helped me on several occasions. So that was a good thing to have. I definitely think this adventure like rode the line between like Tomb of Horrors style dungeon crawling and the kind of inventive problem solving that 5e itself is trying to bring yeah. to D&D. So like your adaptations didn't feel wrong or your calls never felt wrong. It was like, yeah, no, like we don't want to be moving half movement this entire goddamn creature. <laughs> <laughs> It's already right, awful yeah. enough in here. Yeah, especially since most of the monsters that you were facing had abilities that let them ignore that. Right. Yep. And mm-hmm. it was like that just that seems unnecessarily unfair. Right. Yep. But even though most of the monsters that you ran into were CR2 or lower, the exceptions being was it the tapeworm that you fought in the pancreas? And the Oxyhydra. Yeah, I was going to say the Hydra was, was pretty uh, beefy. <laughs> the Oxyhydra was a CR8 uh, because it was basically just a Hydra that was immune to acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could have we taken him. You could have. <laughs> I mean, it was it was down to, I think, 57 hit points by the time you all cleared out. Mm-hmm. I mean, one more round of really concerted punch it in the face would have probably dropped it. I also want to... S- oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Okay. Well, what I was going to say is uh, you were talking earlier about our level and I was going to say there's a big difference between we have played these characters up from first. We have, you know, all these magic items and equipment. We know how to use our abilities. I was playing a paladin and I actually, I have not played paladins. Um, And so there were like a lot of abilities like, what can I do? Okay. And so I was going to say, you know, you were talking about the level. It might have been fine for an eighth level party that's been playing these characters and very comfortable with their abilities and so forth. But yeah, just dropping in. uh, Yeah, I I wouldn't have minded being two levels higher. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And for a party construction, it would have been nice to have, say, a Celestial Pact Warlock or a Divine Soul Sorcerer a spellcaster that can regain spells on a short rest that mm-hmm. has access to healing. Yes. Yeah, that would be yeah. nice. Yeah, I um, think like it would have been a completely different game if we had had like a long rest or sh- or even like a, a oh, decent yeah. rest. Yeah, absolutely. Like half my spells go completely in the opposite direction after a rest because it's, you know, I get like 10 rerolls a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so let's talk about that for a minute. I want to touch on what sort of character construction you had for Oxley. So what was your concept behind what you slapped together for your luckomancer? Uh, yeah, it basically existed to tell you no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I have had this idea for a while to play a combination character that is essentially just lux or fortune's favor so if you guys remember fortune's favor from 3.5 kind of the same kind of style where it's just kind of happy-go-lucky at the whim of the gods and so forth and it's a combination of sorcerer wild mage one two levels of diviner with portent and then bard all the way up right lore bard 
And of course, being halfling, you get halfling luck and any other feats that add on to that. And so it's just basically a support character that allows everybody else to re-roll or yourself to re-roll. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I think in this campaign, it would have probably not been the greatest choice, but I mean, he survived, obviously. I think it's definitely a better choice for uh, a party where there is a variety of different things aside from just creatures that are, you know, oozes or tapeworms, right? Right, but, yeah. Or excrementals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but as a test run, I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah. No, yeah, I liked it. Uh, borrowing from literature kind of reminds me of Matt from Wheel of Time, you know, just kind of that insanely lucky, always lucky, kind of happy-go-lucky type kinda, thing, you know. Kind of the style I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah I love that. That was well done. Didn't have a spear, though. I didn't need one. He had an ever-present <laughs> coffee mug. Yeah, that's true. There's that. <laughs> There's definitely that. Yeah, I was going to say, you really chose some excellent magic items, too. Yeah. They were and, thematic, but they were they also were very helpful. <laughs> They were, especially the way that you decided to combine them. I think the liar of building was the MVP of the entire adventure. Yeah. It's either the liar of building or the prayer beads. The combination of the two, the, those are the two that are in the front running. Yeah. Uh, because you basically were able to bypass two whole chambers of the Tarrasque using the liar of building. Yeah. One of which was going to be a whole lot of damage. <laughs> and the other one was just going to be gross and an obstacle. And, you know, it was there so that I could roll more random encounter dice. Now, imagine if I had animate dead, guys. That would have been so much fun. We just carve out a piece of the wall of the Tarask and animate yes. it. <laughs> Mow our way through everything. Just have a little flesh golem with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed. We had some good interaction with the characters as well. Even along with the NPCs as well as the player characters. I, you know, all of the characters felt really fun kind of filled out so that was that was a lot of fun too i'm gonna miss that decoy <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah. big rear we we can't forget big rear yes. best name ever <laughs> and, a and a great accent for him too ian i like yeah. that yeah. <laughs> well see i wasn't real happy with it um really I, oh well <laughs> i liked because, it because in the moment i was like oh crap i didn't decide on an accent for this guy <laughs> I don't want to do the stereotypical Scottish dwarf, but what came out was me doing a stereotypical Scottish dwarf while trying to not. I like and it. And so it was, it, it was kind of that, it was almost like somebody trying to pretend to be a Scottish person doing a bad American accent. I like it. And and it just, it was, no, I, I was not real happy with it, but that that's okay. I can live with it. We yeah, all I, suffered equally through this challenge. Yes. The Tarrasque task of Maureen Trask. <laughs> so one of the points that I did want to touch on that we didn't really get to go into a whole lot in game, uh, Hannah with Bangarang, mm -hmm. was that Bangarang was supposed to be communicating in sign language. Yeah. Oh, okay. And there are a couple of instances in the first session where you mentioned that he was signing a couple of phrases mm -hmm. and that I don't know is if that was intentionally dropped or if it just became one of those things where we just assumed it. Uh, I still would like verbally acknowledge that he was signing not as frequently, but like as we were going through, because in my head that was a choice made because Kenku mimicry with his backstory of being an adopted kid in a house of like 24 people 
means that if he speaks with someone else's voice, he may be outing one of his siblings for talking about things they're not supposed to be. Ah. Mm. Nice. <laughs> Which is why he signs, because like okay. you don't want to be the snitch of the kids. <laughs> Makes sense. I like it. Yep. My daughter doesn't have any problem with that. Oh, ouch. You've thrown some shade. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's very different in a world of magic with literally 24 siblings. Yes. Yeah, it, it is very different from the preschool playground. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she, my daughter is a little paladin and she is a bit of a tattletale. <laughs> and it's like, okay, sweetie, that's, that's nice, but we don't need you don't need to go into all those details. I mean, there's going to be two paladins now? Ew. <laughs> what do you mean two paladins? I am a you, cleric, sir. Uh, you, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose. You, you come close to paladin at times. <laughs> I am not assertive enough to be a paladin. Granted. I will not you. in person. I will grant you that. <laughs> I am an introverted person who will avoid all manner of conversation. <laughs> anyway, talking about paladins... Yes. Yeah. I was not familiar with the third party paladin oath that you picked up, Mary, whenever we were creating characters. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that Vaka and her paladin oath meshed with this adventure? Uh, the thing is, she is supposed to be an Akashic paladin, which is from the Empyrean investigations. And they are very much defend knowledge and share it everywhere. And, you know, it's kind of like a freedom fighter for libraries or something. And, you know, I, I volunteer at the library and I really oh, awesome. love libraries. Yeah, I was going to say. And I don't necessarily love paladins. So I was like, how can I be a paladin, but like do something that I can stomach? And so, no pun intended, given our adventure. Um, <laughs> you know, and also, I know I was supposed to be kind of the meat shield a little bit. So I made sure, you know, we... I had like a, you know, the shield or I could do two handed and all this kind of stuff. But I also didn't want to be like just kind of a, I don't know, I, I want to be kind of smart. And so I picked Akashic Paladin because, and that, you know, ended up paying dividends with, hey, you know, uh, with the locate object thing where we yeah. can find the blind score. So, you know, once I decided, okay, I guess I'm a Minotaur, so that makes me big and I'm a Paladin, I'm like, that's enough brawn. Okay, let me affiliate with a library or something. And, and it also means some of the things I do uh, can do psychic damage as opposed to, you know, all being radiant or so forth. But um, I just wish I'd done more cow puns. That's my regret. <laughs> Cows with guns. <laughs> Cows with guns. <laughs> and I loved the name. Yes. Um, for those of you who may have missed it whenever Mary was introducing her character at the beginning of the first session, it was Lady Vakaku Lavash, which is Lady Cow Cow the Cow um, <laughs> in, in, in Spanish, German and French. Yes. <laughs> and it kind of flowed, too. So I was just like, good, this is my name. I'm going to live with that. Yeah, it was no, great. That went really well. And I wanted to bring up your you said it was the an Akash for the where you got the oath for your paladin. Like, was it Akashic? Is that what you said? Akashic, A-K-A-S-H-I-C. Yes. I like that concept. And it kind of has that whole Brotherhood of Steel feel If for the fans of the uh, Fallout genre and the Fallout games where, you know, they are trying to collect knowledge and whether they, they decide to disseminate or hoard that knowledge is depending on what version of the game and where they're at. But no, I, I like that, you know, almost Jesuit priest, holy knowledge type order. So yeah, that was yeah. definitely it's something fun. fun. 
is definitely more of a Fallout 3 Brotherhood than it is a Fallout New Vegas Fallout 4 Brotherhood. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't get into the first games because of the learning curve on the turn base. Fair enough. Uh, I love the first two, but yeah, no, I I totally get it. (laughs) I'm sure that once I figured out the formula, I would be able to get through it just fine. Yeah. I think, see here, the first time I tried to play it, I tried to play it with a character like in Fallout 3, and I spread my skills too thin. Yeah. And so I couldn't do anything. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that I died to the rats before I even actually left the tunnels outside of the vault. It happens sometimes. Um, That's That's how they get you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right rats man it's damn rats in the rat room it's like it was like whenever i first tried to play daggerfall i didn't realize that you had to move the mouse in order to attack Ooh. i thought you just clicked and so the first rat that i ran into in daggerfall killed me too <laughs> and then the second time i started up fallout one i chose one of the default characters that you can pick and i got out just fine and then the first town I came to, I accidentally picked a fight with the Great Cons and lasted all of two rounds. Yeah. You learned uh, to pick your battles. <laughs> well, it was a failed speech check. Oh. <laughs> that's that's what it was. I walk up to somebody and I talk to them and they're like, we don't like you. And then, and then I go to leave and apparently I walked into someone's house and they took umbrage with me walking into their house. Well, you weren't invited. That feels like my entire first playthrough of Morrowind, where it's like, I don't know why everyone's angry at me. I don't know what I did wrong. Oh, we are fighting now. Oh, no. I just wanted to figure out where to buy a thing. Oh, God. There's cliff racers everywhere. What is an Inwa? But no, um, and again, who made, who actually wrote the play, the, the scenario we went through? I know you found an RPG. So this adventure was written by DM Dave. Uh, DM Dave has a rather large and prolific Patreon, and I'm on his email list. I get emails like every day with various things that he is releasing. He is fairly prolific, yes. He does lots of free content. He's got a whole team of playtesters that playtest everything that comes through. And and most of the adventures that he releases are scalable. So they come out as like a fifth, ninth, 13th level adventures and with notes on how to adjust the adventure to scale up or scale down the difficulty. Yeah, no, that was definitely a a good find. And that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It really was a lot of fun. Yeah, I would Definitely like thumbs up on that resource for people that are looking for one shots or any kind of anything not straight from the source books or whatever that definitely. Yeah. And I'll I'll put a I'll put a link to his website in the show notes so that you can click through and go to check out his stuff. He's got a ton of stuff. (laughs) Like I said, I've signed up to his email list and I get pretty regularly. I get an email a day with here are. You know, 50 plus magic items. Here is this adventure. Here is the, da, da. Here's resources. Use them. <laughs> I will say like one of the things which might be kind of fun is as a modification to this is starting the game inside the Tarisk, waking up maybe from a night of drinking. And by the way, you're in the Tarisk and that might yeah. be on a uh, modification to this adventure. If you really want to freak players out, you know, with, Halloween coming up and such might be a very yeah. interesting way to do such. 
It is spoopy. See, everyone making like a balance check because they're stuck on the uvula because you kind of got stuck on the back of the creature's throat. <laughs> and, and the internal map starts at the mouth and goes all the way through. And I mean, there were there were organs that you guys didn't get to. You didn't go up the esophagus. You didn't get to the mouth. You didn't get to the crop. And you decided to go the digestive tract instead of the urinary tract. So you didn't get into the kidneys and you didn't get into the bladder. So there should totally be a uh, bar in the bladder. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that, that would oh, be last stop. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yes. My takeaway. This, I think, feels more like an adventure to use as a one off. Mm hmm to give you a break during your campaign. Yeah. Then it yeah, does. Then that. it does a one shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is definitely it, a side quest. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the adventure, basically what happens is you give the sword to Marine. Marine puts the Tarask to sleep with a wish. And then she tells you to come back a week later. And when you do, she gifts you a suit of, Tarask scale plate armor. Ooh. Nice. Which is basically adamantine armor, so it negates critical hits with spell reflection. Yeah, but Ooh. way more badass. Wow. Yeah, that's so so whenever you are the target of a single target spell, you roll a D6 and on a six it reflects back at the caster. I like it. Yeah, that would be a nice, nice thing to have. Mm -hmm. But that's something for a campaign. Right. That's not something right. for a one shot. I mean, Definitely. because at, by the time you get to the end of the one shot, who cares that your character got that armor? Right. Yeah. yeah. So definitely something like a story arc, even if you're trying to figure out what Ian was said, like a downtime between adventures, that would be something to do. I also like Eric's idea of just having everyone waking up. You're doing your downtime and you wake up just inside the trash. You're stuck between the states. You're stuck on the, something like that. And like you woke up here, you are okay. Everybody go would also be a good thing. If some of the people, the party has to take like a break and they're going to miss a session or two. So you don't have your entire party. It could explain why they're gone for those things. And part of the party was, you know, carousing or whatever, and they got eaten. And so there you go. And so now you have to go and get them out. Yeah. Doesn't have to or you start have to get them out and... or the party that's there can play through while the people that have to miss whatever, you know, life obligations popped up. It explains why they can't be at the table. When you get out, they've declared you dead. Yeah. <laughs> Taking all your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the road the road probably have already gone through and forged wills for everyone. No, they left me everything. See? I have paper. <laughs> and honestly, I think the way that I would start that is you are asleep in bed and then the Tarask eats the inn that you're sleeping in. Yeah. And so you're all in bed and then all of a sudden just this mouth Jump. eats your bedroom. <laughs> like that scene from Jurassic Park where it busts <laughs> yes. into the bathroom, the lavatory. <laughs> yes. Just like that. Don't play a lawyer. <laughs> yes. No. Or a uh, goat. Rules lawyer. Don't be a goat either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the other <laughs> modifications that I made to it was adding the skill checks at the beginning mm -hmm. and giving giving you an opportunity to get creative, but also to, if you did well enough, avoid damage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because as written, it is everybody makes a deck save for half damage. Right. That's it. Mm. And so I was like, eh, because there's, 
big chunks of damage. I mean, the acid splash was, I think, 8d6. So that that defaults to like 28, half 14. The rocks falling from the Tarrasque thrashing around was, I think, another 8d6 or 10d6 damage. I mean, there was a huge amount of damage there at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the party needed that opportunity to be able to avoid it. Yeah, we were definitely softened up before we got inside. And I felt like, you know, having the half damage be a DC 15, that's perfectly reasonable. I mean, it's going to be difficult because of the situation. You know, it's the giant lizard that is coming to eat the town, literally. And so the threats that that is going to pose are going to be very substantial and are going to be very harmful to anyone in the wake of it. But the group of adventurers being a group of heroic individuals, heroic in the sense of being extraordinary, they would be able to at least have a chance to come out more or less unscathed. It may be difficult to do, but they would have the abilities to do that. Okay. And so that's why I said, if you beat the DC by five, you take no damage instead of taking half damage. And then if you fail, you take full damage. If you fail by more than five, you take an extra penalty. Just because, you know, at this point, you are all getting plus six, plus seven, plus eight on all of your proficient skills because you all have, you know, plus three, plus four, plus five in your ability and a plus three with your proficiency. You would have to roll a one or a two in order to not hit 10 in most cases. And so because, you know, it's one of those things where you want to respect the 20, you also have to respect the one. So whenever whenever the one comes up, even if there are no critical fails on skill checks in 5e, you still feel the need to respect the one. And the ones did come up from time to time. (laughs) Thank you, Oxley, for making some of them go away. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Oxley made many of them go away. Yes. What I could. <laughs> but yeah, it comes back to like, we were already pretty beaten up by the time we got into the Tarrasque. Yeah. So we were like, no, mm-hmm. we're not going to explore. Yeah. And it was yeah. kind of like when Mike uh, led me through Avernus in our home game, it's like, no, this is a terrible place. I want to leave here. Yes, I understand. This is fun. This is brilliant. I This is everything I signed up for. But also... There's no way my character wants to stay here for longer than necessary. This is the worst. That was definitely a feel I got with this Trask, too. I mean, it was fun, but especially by that last episode, we were ready as a party to check out. We were, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I was ready, too. <laughs> I really wanted to kill that wizard and go, why didn't we just walk away? Yeah. yeah. Because she cast Wish. She was very powerful. Yeah. She, she was she <laughs> was a seventeenth level wizard. Yes, God had to rely on a bunch of eighth levels. <laughs> yep. Well, you don't do dirty work yourself. Jeez, that's what minions are for. Yep. But if we were a higher level, we might have been able to challenge her more on that. But it just yeah. was not an option. That's part two of the uh, supplement. Yeah, totally. We, we totally need to come back in a campaign later. Go knock on her door and say, "Hey, we have some unfinished business." <laughs> yeah. And so that Oxley can go and get her arcane focus. Yeah. 
Which that that was all that that green stone was. It was just her arcane focus. It wasn't an item that was magical in and of itself. But per the module, she was down to like 10 hit points because of the backlash from the telekinesis spell with the throwing the tower. See, guys, you uh, could have given me like five minutes. We could have one shot killed this lady. <laughs> we could have had fat loot. We could have taken out 19, 18th level character. You could have taken out with magic missile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well-placed magic missiles. Oh, I, I love magic missiles. I, I, like, I feel like she would have had healing potions on her person. Yeah, she would have had healing items And that's when Lady Baki comes up with the two-handed swing. That's yeah! right. <laughs> <laughs> and I miss totally, but I distract her just long enough for you to cast that magic missile. Exactly. <laughs> Stampeding yes. with a moo in her step. Just bam. Yes. <laughs> She likes to move it, move it. So yes, well done. Yay! Okay. Anyway, <laughs> just bad cow puns. Bad That's cow what puns. I needed. Is I needed a cowbell. I needed a oh. cowbell. That's what I should. If I should have had an enchanted cowbell. Got a feeling that would have been awesome. I got a feeling it needs more cowbell. Yes. yes. Let me Christopher Walken. If I ever <laughs> play this character again, she will have a cowbell. <laughs> Perfect. And, and I liked that you decided to throw the uh, was it the moon blade that just that oh common God. magic yeah that common magic item that you know your weapon just sheds light throw that on your horn because then it allowed me to say okay yeah y'all can see yeah I was laughing because I'm like all these different magic items I picked and light on my horn turned out to be <laughs> my favorite magic item that I had. <laughs> the common magic item that I said you all you can take as many common magic items as you want. That ended up being the best thing that she yeah. had. <laughs> yeah. It really did. It was sad but true. Every time it shed light in that little five that uh that roll twenty, I was like, Yeah, that's me, I'm all lit up. It's great. <laughs> yeah, because I just turned on an aura around yeah. you and you're like, Okay, so it's bright light in here and dim light in here and y'all can see a little bit. Okay. Does anyone have any last commentary that you really wanted to throw on to this one things you liked things you didn't Mm -mm. just thank you this was a lot of fun and uh, i enjoyed meeting several or two of you and seeing two of you again and i had a great time on the adventure thank you yes thank you i enjoyed as well i would definitely do this again and and nothing else i think we should bring this party back to do something ridiculous yes i'm all for ridiculous going through a tarasque for a sword our dwarf was a dingleberry. Like, I don't know if it's more ridiculous. <laughs> I feel like this I, I'm excited for the potential, but I feel like we may have outdone ourselves. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see if DM Dave will, like, accept this challenge for us. Yeah, absolutely. All right. If we wanted to do a prequel, there is an adventure called The Wild Sheep Chase, which is full of puns and it is glorious i have run it a couple of times as one shots whenever we're doing events at the library where my wife works and i have validation that it is a good module because in an interview on dragon talk james intracasso said that it was his favorite module oh so and it's like a module for third level characters it's great okay micah's up for this yes yeah, I'll have a cowbell, but I'll have to lose it at the end because, okay. you know, you know, since it's a prequel. <laughs> right, yeah. It'd be like how she lost her cowbell. <laughs> it is now a sheep bell. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> ding a ling a ling. Moo. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're, you're fine, do I'm touched. <laughs> uh, All right. So that's us, right? Yeah. Uh, that is. So I'm going to go ahead and give my guests a minute to plug themselves yeah. and their social media and what all you guys do. I'm going to start at the top of my screen with Hannah. And unless unless you need do you need a minute to prepare? Uh I, yeah, just 20 seconds. You are okay. not prepared. Well then, well then I'll go ahead and jump on to Mary and give you time to prepare. Okay. So um I I am a piano teacher and I'm a composer and I have a new album out called I Have Missed You at My Table because I have missed everybody at my gaming table. And that is out on Bandcamp. And I'm assuming you'll have some links for everybody in the show notes. Okay, great. Absolutely, yeah. Awesome. And I've also got a Patreon that I put out concerts and videos and uh, MP3s and all kinds of things. And right now I am working on a uh, musical. It's going to be six episodes with uh, C.S.E. Cooney and uh, Tina Connolly. And it's called The Devil and Lady Midnight. And it's the devil and Marguerite meet uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And so we are having a blast writing that. Very nice. That's that's probably enough. Okay, next. That definitely sounds like a whole lot of fun. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I'm excited. I'm going to follow up on that. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, Hannah, you ready? Yep. All right. Uh, I'm Hannah. I edit 19 Hits the Dragon, a podcast about interviewing creators in the TTRPG space. I have a Twitch channel. Bad Buddhist, B-A-D, the number H-U-D-D-H-I-S-T. And I'm on TikTok at Tealith by Grace, T-E-L-I-T-H-B-Y-G-R-A-C-E. I do a lot of crocheting and knitting and talking about mental illness and mental wellness as up here. <laughs> so we'll be listening to String of Pearls, which is the literary intro of Sweeney Todd into media for the month of October. Very um, nice. cool. so, All right. I, I need to find your TikTok. I need to add that to my. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm following her on TikTok. <laughs> Keep reposting under common days things. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, Eric. I am Eric Holden. I am one half of the dynamic duo of The Goblin's Corner, a weekly podcast devoted to all things tabletop gaming related. We teach people how to tell better stories, play better characters, and. I don't know. Do something. You can find <laughs> us all on at Goblins Corner on Twitter and GoblinsCorner.com. And of course, look up the Goblins Corner on YouTube. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Hey. Did I need to say my name? I didn't say my name, but I said Mary Crawl, so it's cool. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Yeah. You've been on the show before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. I probably said that at some point. I'm Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thank you guys all for coming. Ian, thank you for DMing. You once again picked up your mantle of eternal DM, but uh, thank you. It was fun. I got to play. So yay. yay. <laughs> it, was, it was my turn. Yeah, fair enough. I, I DM'd last year. <laughs> all right, so a couple of quick bits before we sign off. We have an interview coming up this coming Friday, September 30th. We are going to be joined by Cassie, who is the game mistress for the lovely craftians podcast which is a call of cthulhu actual play we are super stoked to have her on they are just getting ready to wrap up season four which wraps up a four season story arc 
and it's an amazing podcast. You should go check it out. And then two weeks after that, on October 14th, we will be having another interview with Goblin Archives, who is the creative mind behind the game Liminal Horror. Just keeping it on theme for October this year. (laughs) Yay, spoopy season. Nice. So Liminal Horror is a hack of the game Cairn by Yochai Gall, which is in turn a hack of Into the Odd, uh, which is the game that a lot of people see as the transition between OSR or Old School Revival and NSR or New School Revival. So it is a pretty substantial game in the OSR, NSR sort of sphere. Nice. And that's by Chris McDowell. He also has a podcast where he talks about Into the Odd and he brings on other creators to talk about stuff that's phenomenal and you should go and check it out. But yeah, that's us. Starting next week, we will be going to a bi-weekly release schedule. So October 5th, we will be doing our regular episode, which is going to be our interview with Cassie. And then from there on, we are going bi-weekly just to give us a little bit more time to work on other stuff. I have a couple of supplements in the works. I've got a couple of character classes and subclasses in the works, just stuff to throw up on Patreon so that we can actually give stuff to our patrons because we have been a little bit swamped lately. Uh, but yeah. It's a good kind of busy. It is a good kind of busy, but I would like to be a different flavor of busy to actually produce some more material. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. It gets kind of exhausting whenever you spend Wednesday promoting Thursday recording and then the rest of the time editing. So you have <laughs> the episode for the following Wednesday. Right. Um, yeah. But we do have some new stuff coming up here in the next few months. I am working on a supplement. Uh, There is a liminal horror jam going on until the end of October where people are writing supplements for the liminal horror game that I'm going to talk about a little bit whenever we have Goblin Archives on to talk about the game. And I've got an adaptation of a first edition module that was one of the options that we could have been playing instead of the Tarrasque task. That was the one that was near and dear to my heart that I was rooting for. And Eric voted for that one, too. But everyone else outvoted us. So <laughs> I'm not upset. He's I, not better. You That's his normal flavor. <laughs> if, if I didn't want to play the Tarrasque task, I wouldn't have made it an option. Uh, but it is a module that takes place within the plane of air. Ooh. And it's something that I've been working on off and on for a while now. And hopefully now I'll have enough time to actually knock it out because I'm having to modify a good bit because there are certain, let's call them cultural insensitivities that come out of 1980s TSR modules. Ah, uh, first and second edition. <laughs> Almost all of the TSR modules. Yeah. 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 That's a thing, unfortunately. And current TSR. Yeah. Yeah, that's also a thing, unfortunately. Yeah. We, that is a matter for another episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one, one that we are not going to cover today. Yep. One, two, three, not it. <laughs> but anyway, thank you everyone for joining us. Yes. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Hannah, Mary, and Eric for joining us for this um, adventure. <laughs> I wanted to call it a wonderful adventure, but 
let's be honest, there wasn't a whole lot wonderful about tromping through the Tarrasque. It was it, fun, but very grim. It was kind of icky. A little bit. <laughs> I believe we the word would be uh, visceral. That is a good word. Yes. Yeah, that is a very good word. That. Yep. Use the safety tools as they are designed for everyone's well-being. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There was a reason why I changed the way that the poo elementals worked because they were supposed to inflict blindness, and I decided eh, that's yeah. Let's not. <laughs> that like, would we, be... we had a request not to do things with the eyes, so yeah. let's not. Let's just, just not. Very close to the face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And in any case, thank you for joining us. Stay safe, and we will see you all next time. Happy gaming. Happy gaming. Happy gaming, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Undercommon Taste. You can find links to all of our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, as well as our Patreon and Discord channel in the show notes. Our theme song is Massacre Anne, written and performed by Mary Crowell and used with permission. You can find more of her work at marycrowell.bandcamp.com or on Patreon at patreon.com slash drmaryccrowell. Our logo was illustrated by David Sutherland. You can find him on Instagram at willex underscore 73 or on DeviantArt at deviantart.com slash David Sutherland. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe. We'll see you again next week.